The ancient Greeks called it eros, Shakespeare called it love, and nowadays we call it buriko. But why do we care about love so much to this day? And why are we still talking about it? Welcome to an alternative version of The Embarrassing Diary. Hello, hello, hello everyone. It's not really an alternative version of The Embarrassing Diary, it's just a more philosophical one. I thought that since Valentine's Day is around the corner, it would be very interesting to highlight some aspects of one of the most influential philosophers of all times and talk about the transformational power of love. Or in other words, Eros. You might be wondering, who are you, lady? And what gives you the chance and the opportunity to talk about such a complex matter? Well, in fact, I studied ancient Greek and Latin literature at the University of Athens and did also my master's in Amsterdam, so I think I'm actually an expert on this field. I don't know why I have never mentioned it and I've never said it, so I'm almost like, you know what? Let's do it. Boom, boom, boom. Let's do it. First of all, let's analyze a little bit the title. What is a symposium? Have you seen in Game of Thrones those big feasts that have a boar in the middle, food, wine, girls, and all of those great leaders they're talking, who are we gonna kill next? Who? Whose neck are we going to suck? Well, the symposium, it's a little bit of the same principle, but instead of killing, they're analyzing great ideas. Four people will talk on the symposium and they will extrapolate their knowledge and their wisdom about the transformative power of love. Those will be Phaedrus, Pafsanias, Aristophanes and Socrates. Now let's start with the first star of the night. The first one is Phaedrus. He's a famous Athenian aristocrat, let's say a rich boy, and he actually talks about the transformational power of love that not only affects humans but also gods. Now it's important to say that I'm going to use the word eros many times and in this environment that means love as we actually define it nowadays. However, in ancient Greece, in many different environments, eros could mean something else. For example, in the European tragedies, eros means actually the sexual desire. So it's something completely differently. But in this environment, eros means love. So, Phaedrus talks about the transformational power of love, not only through humans, but also through divine beings. So, essentially, he says not only humans actually are affected by Eros, but also gods. It has so much transformational and sacrificial power that it can even lead a whole army of military to war. And he actually dares to challenge some very famous myths of the past. If you actually ever watch the movie Troy, you might have seen Brad Pitt playing Achilles. Not his butt, okay, I don't want you to focus on that part, although it was a great pleasure to watch, but I want you to focus on his relationship with Patroclus. Now, Achilles is considered one of the greatest warriors of all times. We don't really see a lot of vulnerable moments of him, except from the moment that his buddy, his friend, his pal, Patroclus, dies. And a lot of commentators have mentioned that this is because they're really good friends, they're really connected to each other. But no, Phaedrus comes actually to challenge that part and says, it's actually love. Yes, a gay story. And that has created the whole discussion in the literature world about whether this is true or not. It has even influenced other authors, modern authors, such as Madeline Miller, who actually created the book The Song of Achilles. 
In fact, actually, the Song of Achilles talks about this, this love story between Achilles and Patroclus. Anyways, never mind. So Phaedrus, he's challenging ancient myths. He talks about the transformational power of love. He talks about the sacrificial power of love. And he says, essentially, that gods and humans can love in the same way. The second person who talks about the transformational power of love is Pausanias. But he's going to introduce a little bit of a different aspect. He talks about two types of love, the common love and the divine love. And those two different types of love, they represent a different version of the goddess Aphrodite. The one is Aphrodite Pandemos and the other one Aphrodite Urania. What does it mean? The first one is the earthy Aphrodite and the second one is the divine Aphrodite. What is the difference? So the first one is the one that is the ephemeral type of love. Think about it with nowadays terms. You go on Tinder and you're just looking for a quick hookup. Well, this is the common love. You're supporting Aphrodite Pandemos. Congratulations to you. We're going to give you an Oscar for this behavior. Now, if you want to take this relationship to a level deeper than what it was, then you can support Aphrodite Urania, meaning the divine one. That means that essentially you're not just having sex with someone, you're having a more meaningful connection with someone. And I know what you might be thinking. Okay, that makes absolute sense. The one is just sex. The other one is a deeper relationship. Well, it's not exactly that. The idea behind the symposium is that everyone will say their version of love and Socrates will say the best one. So hold that thought. And a lot of people actually have criticized Pausanias for his speech because he only personalizes it on an elitism version. So essentially... He talks about the philosophers, the aristocrats, the rich people, how they can fall in love. But what about the rest of us, the plebs, the poor? I'm including myself there. He doesn't talk about those people, the different levels. So that is very problematic. And because of that, his version of love has also been criticized by a lot of commentators. The third person who is going to talk in Symposium is Aristophanes. Aristophanes actually delves in the nature of love by introducing a myth. And he says that on a primary level, we were all a weird creature, a dual creature. We were two bodies connected in one, and that creature had four arms, four legs, two heads, and two reproductive systems. And that creature was so strong and so powerful that offended the gods with its wittiness. And as a result, Zeus punished it by cutting it in half. And essentially what he means by that is that right now we are all halves of that great creature. And throughout our whole life, we're trying to find the other half in order to achieve fulfillment. Now, this is an interesting myth and a lot of people like it, especially younger kids, because it's a cute way to describe love. But it has also received a lot of criticism because essentially this duality, he's basically saying that we only have one soulmate out there that we need to look for. And on top of that, we can only find fulfillment through that one person. That is a lot of things to put on one only person in the whole world. So the real question here is, are we looking for just one person our whole life to give us meaning and personal fulfillment? Or are we using that person to give us personal fulfillment? Personally, I believe that we have a lot of soulmates. This is not philosophical. I just believe that there are a lot of combinations that are out there available. But I find Aristophanes' way of describing love a little bit limiting as well, because essentially he says that through the other person, we can find the personal fulfillment. Now, 
I believe that indeed our soulmates, our partners are there to navigate us, to guide us, to support us. But I think that we are the ones who should seek this personal fulfillment by our actions, by our art, by the things that we really love doing, all the dreams that we came here in this world, in this earth, and we want to fulfill. We are the ones responsible for our own personal fulfillment. And of course, there are people that they don't want to have a relation, and that's fine. Anyways, moving on, moving on. The last person in this beautiful symposium is Socrates. And of course, Socrates is the star of the night, the celebrity of the night, if you might say. He will merge all of the above speeches by creating the definition of a new type of love. Love is a journey through eternity and it can only be achieved by seeking the true form of beauty. What does he mean by that? He doesn't mean the ephemeral, the superficial type of beauty. He basically says we should be looking forward for the beauty that is timeless, that it doesn't have to prove itself. A great example is the painting of the girl with a pearl earring. There's so much beauty in this face that that painting, that girl, has lasted through eternity. Even if you watch this painting on the 16th, 17th century or now in 2024, nobody can deny that she's absolutely gorgeous. This is a very beautiful notion because Socrates doesn't even talk about something superficial, only about relationships. He doesn't tell you, he doesn't call you to just find someone out there and make a meaningful relationship. No, he doesn't say that at all. He basically says that either you have a real relationship and a deep connection and communication with someone, or you look at a beautiful painting, it's the same type of beauty and the same type of wisdom that you receive in your life. Essentially, he's saying that through real love and through real art, people can actually become a better version of themselves. And he actually says, if you're looking for this type of love in a person, you are able to use love as a ladder between the human beings, between the earth that we all live in and the world of gods. And by doing that, we are able to touch a little bit the tippy toes of the gods and have access to real knowledge and real wisdom. Love is a force that encompasses life and makes us attend higher achievements. And that doesn't mean that from a project manager, you become a senior project manager through love or through art. No, it means you just become a better human being, a better version that you were before, someone who is kinder, someone who is more understanding, somebody who takes care of their children, somebody who takes care of their garden, somebody who plants a tree and believes that that will have an impact to the world later. He talks about that. And think about how important, how beautiful. It's Valentine's Day and I I know a lot of people are lonely today and are feeling very isolated. I have been in a situation where I didn't like Valentine's Day and maybe Plato and Socrates, they're trying to tell us something. If you feel sad, if you feel trapped today, don't, don't just, just, just let that thought go away. Go watch your favorite art. Go watch something that is very beautiful. Go see something that's timeless. Nature as well is part of it. And then let the beauty of nature, of the universe, of art, transform you and make you become a better version than you were before, or as I like to say, a version of 2.0. This episode was hard, man. If you like it, please share it with someone. It will mean a lot to me and it will mean the world to me. And if you want me to talk more about ancient Greece, please do. And I will try to make it educational and fun and as much as digestible as possible. So thank you so much for being here. Please rate our show if you can, if you liked it. And 
yeah see you next time